Hello there, my name is A.D. Robles, and this is the very first episode of A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. The Gospel Coalition is a white supremacist organization. Actually, let's start with a couple introductions. <laughs> that's, that's a little too much right away, right? So my name is A.D. Robles, and I have a YouTube channel. Um, if you don't know it, you could go, go ahead and type in the search bar, A-D-R-O-B-L-E-S, and you'll see I have about 200 or so videos all about the topics of social justice, politics, race, racism, things like that. And you might be asking yourself, hey, who are you? What gives you the right to talk about this? Why are you qualified? And the reality is I'm nobody special. I pastor a very small church in the great state of Vermont, which I've heard is one of the whitest states in the nation. Too white, in fact, I've heard. But that's that's an episode for another time. But anyway, uh, yeah, I pastor a small church. I run a small business, a recruiting business, and I do YouTube, and that's pretty much it. Um, here is what I want to talk about today. You might be looking at the title of this podcast and thinking, wow, is he one of those really mean, aggressive bloggers that always wants to call out everybody and this and that? No, I am not that way. I am not that way. I promise. However, I do actually believe what I've said in the beginning of this podcast. The Gospel Coalition and people with the social justice sort of perspective that you see very popular these days with Gospel Coalition and other groups as well, they're accidentally white supremacists. And I intend to defend that in a moment. Now, when you think white supremacist, think about it in your head. Close your eyes. and Well, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But, it, but think about what you think when you hear the word white supremacist. What is the kind of person you think about? Most people think about a very right-wing Republican, first of all. Probably a beer-swilling kind of guy. You know, southern country bumpkin. You know, maybe you think about people in white hoods looking like Dungeons & Dragons wizards things like that. Uh, oh, a lot of people probably think of those guys uh, in Charlottesville, right? They had all, they all had that Nazi haircut. They were all carrying torches and screaming and yelling about nonsense and things like that. That's typically what people think of when they think of white supremacists. And those people, they are white supremacists. That's a very specific kind of white supremacist. Those are the kind of white supremacists that believe that white people are better and they should be in charge of everything because they're smarter, because they're more capable, because they have better business skills. They have some, some people will say, well, they have better IQ, so they should be in charge of everything. And so that is a very distinctly white supremacist view. You think that white people are supreme and therefore should have supreme positions. That's one form of white supremacist. But did you know that not all white supremacists drink Budweiser? Did you know that some white supremacists sip soy lattes when they're on their days off. Some white supremacists wear skinny jeans. Some white supremacists have V-necks on, probably right now. Some white supremacists are very well groomed, no beards, and probably have those uh, those very thick, you know, hipster uh, eyeglasses and things like that. You might not be able to tell the difference between some of these white supremacists and liberals because. They are liberals. Yeah, there's, there's, there's such a thing as a left-wing, progressive, white supremacist. And here's the thing. They're slightly different than their right-wing counterparts. Because their right-wing counterparts, they, they think that white people are superior, and they should be superior, and they should be in supreme positions. But the left-wing white supremacist, they also believe that white people are superior, 
but they don't like that. They prefer that they wouldn't be superior. They would actually prefer that they wouldn't be in positions of leadership. And so that's the difference. They still think that they're superior, but they don't think it should be that way. They're trying to subvert that. They're trying to change that. And so they're white supremacists, but they're accidentally white supremacist. And therein is how the Gospel Coalition becomes a white supremacist organization. Here's what I mean. I just did a quick Google search. Um, I used, uh, I searched the, the Gospel Coalition website, and I came up with a few articles, and I decided to read one of them to you. Actually, not the whole thing, but what it is is an article by Ray Ortland. He's one of the movers and shakers of the Gospel Coalition. And he uh, records three questions that one of his, uh, one of the members of his church asked, and he thinks that we should all really consider these questions, really, you know, you know meditate on them and, and, and come up with our answers to these questions. And two of them are relevant to our conversation today. The first one is this. And what do you think about this? What is it like to be black in America? What is the reality that black people face every day? How much more difficult are their lives just because they're black? Here's a second question that I want to talk about. What is the reality of being privileged in America? White privilege is so woven into the fabric of American life that we are all but oblivious to it. That's actually not really a question, but those are the two things that I want you to think about. So, you know, right now, think about in your head, what is it like to be black in America? How much more difficult are their lives just because they're black? Now, if you notice the, the way that they frame these questions, it's, it's, it's not really a question. It's like, it's not, is your life more difficult? It's how much more difficult is your life if you're black? And how much privilege, how, how privileged are you because you're white? It's not a question of if you're privileged or not. It's just you're white and so you're privileged. How privileged are you is the question. And I want you to take a step back, right? Because on the surface, it's like, okay, this is something maybe we should consider, Right. And you've heard this narrative and this drumbeat that, that, that black people's lives are more difficult just because they're black. And white people, their lives are easier just because they're white, just because of their skin color. To a lot of people, this makes sense. But let me submit something to you. If you believe these two things, I'm sorry, but you're accidentally believing a white supremacist idea because here's the foundation of that look ray ortland doesn't doesn't like this fact but what he's saying is that whites are more capable in the united states than blacks whites are more capable in the united states than blacks in fact they're, they're so much more capable that their lives are comparatively very easy compared to the lives of blacks or Latinos. The lives of blacks and Latinos are very hard, and it's just because of their skin color. It's not due to anything else. It's their skin color that causes their lives to be difficult and more challenging. And they're not able to achieve as much as white people are able to achieve. White people can achieve a lot, and it's, and it's much easier for them. But black people and Latino people and people with darker skin colors, they're not able to achieve as much and it's just because of their skin color. Are you starting to see the, the similarities here? Because that's exactly what right-wing white supremacists believe, except they like it. <laughs> Do you see the difference? They like it, but Ray Ortland doesn't like it, but he's believing the same fundamental principle, that white skin equals more capable, and black skin equals less capable. 
Let me give you a, a better example. This is a speech I found from Tim Keller. Tim Keller is one of the founders, I believe, of the Gospel Coalition. And here's an example. He, he wants to talk about systemic injustice. And the example he uses, he wants to give you like an, an easily relatable example. And so what he uses is an example of a car dealership and someone that he knew that owned a Christian who owned a car dealership and one of the systemic injustices that he came across. I knew a man who was the, uh, the head of a uh, uh, car dealerships, a set of car dealerships in the South. And the car dealerships, the, the way in which things were done was you could come in and negotiate, and the salesman had a pretty big window of what they could give you the car for. So they would negotiate, and you would negotiate, and it was a way of, it was a lot of horse trading going on, except it was car trading, I guess. And uh, uh, the, the salesmen uh, could, couldn't go lower than this, but they could get this high. And so it was, a, it was partly, uh, it was a tradition uh, that, A, men always were better negotiators with the salesmen than women. And white men were white men and white black men were better negotiators than African American women, and so when somebody actually looked at what was going on, African American women were regularly paying far more for their cars, and were actually subsidizing the uh, 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 you know the price of uh, what white men were paying for cars in that particular town. And so they realized that even though nobody thought they were doing something, if the result was unjust, and it was unjust, then even though there was nobody in there who originally had said, let's do it this way because that way we will really hurt African-American women, but they were hurting African-American women. There's two things you can do. On the one hand, you could say, because we're not deliberately trying to hurt African-American women, and we make better profits this way, we have no responsibility. But the owner, a Christian man, said we do. And he changed the model. He changed the whole approach. His own profits have gone down, but he says it's the only way to be just. Have you? That is not the only way to be just. But by, but let's just let's just kind of break this down a little bit, right? There's there's a lot I could say about this, but we're only going to focus on a few different things here. So number one, I, I love how he he. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble, man. Uh, Tim Keller's a socialist. <laughs> And you can see it here because he calls the price system, you know, like free market pricing where you negotiate. Everyone, every day of their lives negotiates everything that they buy because if when you buy something that's uh, less expensive because and you don't buy something else that's more expensive, that's a negotiation. You're, it's a tactic that everybody uses. But he calls that a tradition and he says that it leads to unjust, I'm sorry, injustice if people pay different prices. That All that aside. So what he's saying here is that um, what, what this owner found was that white people were getting lower prices. And presumably the reason they were getting lower prices is because they were better negotiators. And, you know, because he, he's saying in this example that this guy was not a racist. He was not setting out to charge black people more or women more. It just happened that way. That's just how it was because of his negotiation system, right? And so um, that that was the problem. And and. and we could argue whether or not that's a problem. I don't think that's actually a problem, but but let's just say it is. So the white people, the white men were better negotiators than black women. Okay. And so here's the rub, right? That's that doesn't make you a white supremacist. If you if you recognize the fact that white men were better negotiators in this situation than black women, that doesn't make you a white supremacist. That's just a reporting of the facts, right? Because there are things that that men are better than women at. There are other things that women are better than men at. That that's not that's not sexist. It's just the reality. Here's where the white supremacy comes in. White men are better negotiators than black women, and they always will be.
and they always will be. And because we want to have a system where everyone pays the same and nobody is paying more because they're black, we need to change the system because there's no way that they'll ever become better negotiators. White people are supreme. They're supreme negotiators. White men are supreme negotiators. And so therefore, the only way for blacks and Latinos and women to get ahead is if we, white men, change our systems. That's the only way. Do you see why I call this white supremacy? Because I don't believe that. I don't believe that black women were, were poor negotiators and there's nothing they can do to change that. There's nothing they can do to, 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 to rise up and become better negotiators and get better prices on their cars. I reject that idea. I reject that idea. Black people, Latinos, they are absolutely capable of succeeding in business. There are you know how much money the black community in the United States has? How much GDP they have? It's more than many countries combined. There's absolutely a lot of economic power and wealth in the black community in America. Not to mention the fact that if you look around, I mean this is a very American centric view. Look around the world. What are the countries that are competing with the United States worldwide economically? It's China, it's India, it's non-white countries. So to, to have this idea that white people rule everything, to believe this lie of white privilege and white supremacy that the Gospel Coalition and others promulgate, it absolutely is a denial of the facts of the world. White people do not rule the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they might like you to think that. The racist alt-writers might want you to think that, but it's just not true. Why are you believing the same fundamental lie that the alt-right and the KKK and all these bigots out there, why are you believing basically the same foundations that they believe? It's puzzling. It's puzzling. I refuse to believe that. You know, there are some people, and, and I'm not going to say that Tim Keller says this or the Gospel Coalition says this, but there are some people that say that free market capitalism is white supremacist because black people and Latinos tend to do worse in a free market capitalistic society. I cannot think of a more white supremacist idea than the idea that in a free market without government intervention and government help, blacks and Latinos just simply can't compete. That's racist. That is an absolutely white supremacist idea at the foundation. And here's Dr. Tim Keller, one of my heroes, by the way. This gives me no pleasure to say this about him. But here he is embracing a fundamentally white supremacist idea. There's no difference in his assumption than the racist, bigoted alt-writer that says white people are supreme. Tim Keller believes that too. The only difference is that the, the, the alt-right guy says, and that's a good thing and we should just keep it that way. And Tim Keller wants to change it. Now the reality is that you can't change it this way. This kind of thing will never change if you fundamentally agree with something that is unbiblical at its core. And the reality is, if you believe in the image of God and you believe all people have the image of God, then all people can implement godly economics, godly social justice, godly ideas of what is fair and what is just and what is right. All people can do it, and all people can do it in compete in the same playing field. Do you see what I'm saying? And so the reality is when you, this is called, a lot of people call this the bigotry of low expectations, right? Because when you have low expectations of black women, you might, this, this car owner, this car dealership guy might've figured out a way to let everyone pay the same. But the reality is the black women are not getting any better at negotiating. They're not learning anything about through this. 
and it's very paternalistic. It's it's kind of like think it's it's kind of like treating people, Latinos and blacks, like children. When you think about it, because when you think of when you train a child, right, <clears throat> when you train a child to walk, you know, what you do is you, you basically you hold their hands and you take steps with them and things like that. But it's actually worse than how we treat our children, because our, with our children, eventually we let go. Eventually, we know they're going to have to walk on their own two feet and their own balance and their own power and all of that stuff. And we let those hands go. But the thing is, for, when you take this perspective, you're tr- treating blacks and Latinos as if they're children and they need help and extra assistance. And the only way that they're going to get it is a, if us white people, us supreme white people, lower our standards, our hiring practices. We lower the bar. We do affirmative action where we actually judge people based on the content. No, actually their skin color is how we judge them. And that's part of the factor of how we hire them. We'll we'll talk about that in another episode. But it's a very, if you believe in this kind of stuff about, you know, you know, lowering the bar and changing the system in order, in order that, so blacks and Latinos can, can, can compete with white people. Why do you think you're my daddy? You're not my daddy. You're not my daddy. Why do you think that you're my daddy or my mommy? Like, like you have to treat me in this way. Treat me like everybody else. Level the playing field. Free markets. I don't need any extra credit or extra help. I'm per- perfectly capable, made in the image of God, perfectly capable of competing on a level playing field. Why, why do you got to act like you're my daddy? It's an honest question because it's it, to me, it's a very white supremacist idea. That's with the beauty of a free market because let's just say I'm being discriminated against, then I'm forced. If I want to compete, I am forced to do better. I'm forced to, 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 to grow, to, to develop my skills, to do all of these things. This is not the way we do this, right? This is not the way we do this. I reject this idea that blacks and Latinos, they are, their lives are just harder for being black and it's just because they're black. And the only way that they're going to get ahead is us. If, if us white people can lift them up from on high, we can grant them the privilege that we have. That's a racist view of black people. It's a very low view of black people. And I reject it. And I hope you do too. Now, the other thing is, you might be thinking, well, how, how dare you speak about these kinds of things? How dare you speak about these things? And maybe, if you, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but actually, I'm Latino. That might have surprised some of you. No matter surprise him, you given the uh, the opinions, but but that's the reality that that I am Latino, and according to some people, this gives me my qualifications, my intersectionals, my intersectionals. Those are the different pieces of my identity that supposedly make me who I am. None of this is Christian, but hey, this is what some people think, and so I'm Puerto Rican. And if you don't know anything about the history of Puerto Rico, uh, most Puerto Ricans have an ethnic makeup just like I do. And so what that means is that about 60% of my blood is European in descent. 20% of my blood is Native American, so that's Taino Indians. And the other 20% is African. And so lots of Puerto Ricans have that very similar blood makeup like that. And what that means historically is that um, my ancestors are a mix of slaves, slaveholders, and conquered peoples. And so that, according to some people, gives me an expertise that all of you need to listen to. Have you ever heard somebody say, we need to listen to our black and brown brothers and sisters more? Well, I am one of those brown brothers. So listen up and take notes. <laughs> now, if you don't know me, you, you, you should understand I'm being very sarcastic. I don't believe any of that nonsense. But I can tell you that this kind of perspective is extremely condescending. 
it's paternalistic it's not good and it doesn't do us any good to treat us with this these kind of kid gloves where like we can't compete in the free market it actually hurts us in the long run it's a very short-sighted view i mean yeah in, in tim keller's example yeah the the black women in that example have a short-term gain they get to pay less for their cars but in the long term it actually doesn't help the same women that it pretends to help you got to have a longer view of these kinds of things anyway i hope this was helpful god bless Don't forget to tune in right here next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.